You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. This is session number 002. On this show, Brian Kramer speaks to the power of human marketing, saying thank you, and relationships. You'll especially enjoy his story of FaceTiming with his son all night long. And we have to embrace our imperfections. We have to embrace the, um, the things that make us unique, that make us human. And that's why it's, I, don't, I call it human, not people. Because humans have this intrinsic intrinsic value of being imperfect. And the ones that are the most imperfect and embrace it, and I mean brands too, are the ones we love the most. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. Building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, where we build you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson, and holy shnikes, this is the third uh, podcast that I've posted, and these things take a whole lot of work, and they're super scary, because every time you put one of these things out there, you know, you put yourself out there, there's always like this voice in the back of your mind that says, you know, this is going to suck and you're going to stick your foot in your mouth, even though you can edit that out, of course. But you also think like, what if nobody listens and what if nobody likes it and all sorts of other garbage like that. And I think that's true of a lot of things in life, like every single time. It's like when you're growing up and you put yourself out there for the first time that you did, you know, show and tell, or your first kiss, or that first date, going to a new school, or changing careers, asking someone to marry you, or even pitching a new idea or a business. It's all the same. As human beings, we can't stand the thought of screwing up or even failing, yet life is entirely about failing. All the way back when you were trying to talk and learning to walk, all the way up to the disagreement I had with my wife this morning and having to say I'm sorry for not being present in our morning conversation over coffee. We make mistakes. And we learn, we iterate, we grow, we develop, we mature, and eventually we get awesome at failing. The recording of this very podcast was a great example, and uh, we endured a barking dog and the cleaning lady showing up and a garbage truck, and even though I tried to clean it all up as best I could, my editing skills even then are not perfect. And why isn't it perfect? It's because I'm human, and that's an amazing area of connection for us all when we recognize we're all just so very much human. And that's a segue I want to lead you with today because we're talking about, among other things, being human. And just before we jump in, I'd love to ask a favor of you. I want to hear what you think about this show. And 
If you would, please, after listening to this show uh, or others, please go to iTunes and fill out a review and tell me uh, just how imperfect I might be. Um, Because this is a new podcast, it's really important in order to gain momentum for other listeners uh, to discover this great community. We need to get reviews. And in addition... I have a a free gift for you. Uh, After you post a review, uh, go to upinyourbusiness.co website and drop a note on the Get In Touch page. And for the first 100 uh, reviews, I'll send you a free digital copy of my book, Love's Compass. And this book will dramatically improve how you interact with others in a relationship. So that's my free gift for you. Again, simply go to iTunes, give a review, and then send a note uh, to the website and our Get In Touch page and say, I posted a review. That would be fantastic. So on today's show, I interview CEO of Pure Matter, an award-winning global digital agency based in Silicon Valley. And, and this gentleman, he is a social strategist. He's a TED speaker. He recently was the author of an acclaimed book, Human to Human, uh, hashtag H2H. And most recently, he interviewed about 250 people in research of his newest book. It's called Shareology, How Sharing Powers the Human Economy. And since recording this interview, I got to connect with uh, this gentleman in New York City, and we ended up closing the night out with cocktails on a rooftop bar with breathtaking views of Times Square in Manhattan. It was a really special experience uh, with a very um, amazingly super nice guy. So today, I'm talking with Brian Kramer, and I want you to enjoy this little interview with him. How are you doing? This is Brian Kramer. I am live from San Jose. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) Brian, you and I first met in Atlanta last year at uh, the Social Shakeup Conference. We sat down on the patio of the hotel and we were just reminiscing um, who all was there. Do you care to uh, reminisce? Yeah. um, Who did we have there? We had... uh... Uh, Michael, uh, is it Brito or Brito? <laughs> We're gonna See, slaughter everybody's names. It was Brito, <laughs> Brito, um, Solis or Solis, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, right? Um, Yang or Ah Yang? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, <So> Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremy, as some people call him, Jeremy. Jeremiah Ah Yang. Um, <laughs> That's and, all right. I get brain crammer all the time. So. <laughs> Um, Adam Wexler and uh, and and one other person who was there with us was uh, Aaron Strout. Mm-hmm. Mr. W two O. Now isn't he the the president? Yes. What's his title? He is the president. And so yeah, we had this great bottle of wine, uh, some cigars, and it was it was lovely evening in Atlanta. The next day, you and I were going off to a restaurant. We had a little chat on the road, and we were talking about this podcast I wanted to create called Up in Your Business. And you were a great encouragement to just say, start with what you got, don't make it fancy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it's how many people uh, out there are waiting to do something like that, like you just did with a podcast. I'm so proud of you. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Throughout your first book, speaking of human to human interaction, can you please define for us what you mean when you say just that word human? Yeah, well, um, you know, humans, as um, I always tell it, is a word that's been around since the beginning of time. Um, but, um, you know, recently, um, human, you know, we've always talked about a human approach to marketing. Um, what, what really took off for, I think, 
the term human to human when it first got launched at a keynote that I gave a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, uh, there, it was a screen and, and the screen had human to human on the screen. It said, there is no B2B or B2C, it's human, human to human. And um, uh, actually Ted Rubin was in the audience and, and he, uh, I went through the screen and then went to the next slide and he said, wait, go back. And when I went back, then um, that's when he and everyone else in the audience kind of lifted their phones and took pictures. There's a picture, there's one uh, one picture of me kind of like doing this little dance thing in front of it and it, w it went viral over the next 48 hours. It got over 80 million impressions, over 15 languages it was translated in. Over 2,000 blogs were uh, wrote, wrote up about um, human to human for the next two weeks. And um, so it became something that I got really, um, uh, not, I, I was already passionate about it uh, and now all of a sudden it started to resonate and so I started to write about it and that's when I put a book together. Um, over the next few weeks I collected, um, it turns out I was talking about all this stuff for the last however many years so it pulled together really easily into a book which um, because of the timing and launching it and all that kind of stuff it was number one on the on business books in Amazon for two months so it was it was all very fast. I didn't plan it. Um, it was a very unplanned uh, um, baby, if you will, and, and the reason I bring that up, and I know this doesn't quite uh, answer your question, but actually Shareology was the book I was working on, um, which is the book I'm launching now, and I put Shareology down to launch uh, HDH, the surprise baby, so um, uh, now I, I then picked Shareology back up, and, and that's the book I'm launching. So you had an unplanned baby, and then you had a planned baby. But that doesn't make sense. In our corporate world, it's all calculated, it's studied. How in the world does serendipity come into something like that? A lot of businesses that I work with um, loved the unplanned baby approach and the way that HTH unfolded so much that it started to become a thing that um, I was, I mean, I obviously responded to it quickly and did it in a, you know, with a book. And, um, and it, and it, and it then helped to propel things forward even more in securing, you know, what I had said. Um, and so I think a lot of businesses then took a look at it and said, how do we do that? Um, how do we respond in real time? And this is at a time when social media was kind of in it. I mean, it's still not new, but it was still fresh because social media is still like, what, five years old. So I think they were like, how do we respond in real time? How do we do what you did? And that's when we started coaching and helping them to walk through the process of how we did that. It's almost as if like our own pain points create our own products, our own uh, solutions become solutions for others. Yeah, I've always kind of operated in that way. A lot of our clients are always looking to us. And the one question I always hate being asked is, well, how do you do that? That and I don't have an answer. That's the like a, a dagger in the stomach. So I always like to test and try and build things first. Your newest book, Shareology, how sharing powers the human economy. You talk about, and I, I stole some of these off of some of your marketing material, the H2H sharing connection, the shift to the human economy, the human business movement, the shareability quotient, the different types of sharers, and building your personal brand. Can you briefly articulate how are they going to walk away with these elements? That's an excellent question. Thank you. Um, I, I think the biggest um, thing, the differentiation is um, when you take um, human to human, see, I couldn't have planned this any better because human to human is the basis for everything that I now I now do, and the platform serves as a launching point to everything that 
that I talk about, obviously. But what um, what stems from that for me is this thing that I've always been passionate about. Kind of, I think, like yourself, I'm kind of a a self-proclaimed um, anthropologist, sociologist, psychologist. You know, never gone to school for any of those things. But um, but I have a passion and a love for each of those things. And um, as part of that, I'm really excited by why people share um, and what they share and how they share and where they share and when they share. And I wanted to solve it. I wanted to, and like everything else, like I was just talking about when somebody says, well, how do you do that? Um, I wanted to, I wanted to solve this. I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to have some answers around it. Cause I don't think that we've ever really taken a stab at why people share, why brands share. Um, the, I mean, when was the last time you took a class on sharing in kindergarten, right? So, um, you know, the last time we actually shared with each other is, uh, is every day. And yet we have never taken classes on this thing. So yeah, we are all, uh, creatures of sharing. We just haven't taken a class on it. And, um, and because we see it as a skill, um, a learned behavior rather than, um, something that actually is something that we use and do now every day on social media. Um, and how we and, and in your business, um, Angus, with sharing, I mean, that, that even goes to the next level from the digital to physical world. Um, and that's that's in the book as well. So to, to answer your question, it really is the art and science of sharing. It covers the gamut of of, of the sharing economy, the collaborative economy, um, what I'm calling the human economy, because um, it really is all interconnected. And it is the um, it's how how sharing powers the human economy is the subtitle of the book. And um, and, it, and it actually has an algorithm um, that I have in the book, a formula, I should say, that was boiled down from over 250 interviews with executives and psychologists and sociologists and, and PhDs and all that, all that kind of a lot of different people on the answer to how you can share to reimagine your future um, and how that can change your your outcome to whatever you want it to be. Um, some people, it's money. Some people, it's to go viral. Some people, it's to um, you know share things so that they can get um, you know more friends. Um, there's a lot of different reasons for why we share, but there's always one one distinct reason, and that's in the book. And that that reason is for connection. We all want connection with other people or with their with brands. And if we don't feel a connection, that's when we start to take um, a break. We, that's when we start to deviate or we start to walk away, and we don't feel a connection with somebody. So if everything that we did in life is around connection. Um, with that being the goal, it subconsciously already is, but if we consciously knew that, it would change the path for how you share. Uh, it's so true. And in psychology, when you don't feel like you deserve or you don't feel like you're worthy of some of that connections, it's so interesting psychologically or emotionally how we even sabotage some of those sort of things. You're talking about like on such deep levels of our psyche. And when we flip the script on that into something positive, something that's generous, something that's built out of abundance. What amazing things we make and create in connecting with the people around us. Totally. So you're, um, you, you just, uh, you just tapped into something. I, I feel like you, you have read my book, but, um, I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, is the most important, uh, uh, areas is emotion, emotional connecting. And, um, Paul Eckhart is, uh, uh, also quoted in the book, he's a he's an emotional uh, uh, science expert, and he has six um, emotions that are outlined in the book, and six general emotions that all humans have. And um, and and the interesting thing about those emotions, I'll let, I'll let you guys 
read the book for to see the emotions. But the, the, the interesting thing about the emotions is that when you share um, one of the emotions, the likelihood of somebody sharing back in that same um, uh, emotion is is extremely high. So one of the emotions is um, is um, is sadness. So if you shared with sadness, the likelihood of people sharing back with you on that same level and reciprocity over the, the emotion of sadness is really, really high. What, what that means is, is that um, people don't realize that when they put their uh, shares out, they're actually encouraging people to share back in the same tone or manner. And um, that's not to say that we should take advantage of people by sharing in a different tone that's not authentic to us. That's saying that we need to be careful about what we share if that's not the tone that you want in response. It's the same thing like when people echo your body language. So you go and you, you put your hand like this you know, on your chin and then the other person will look at you on your chin. If you scratch something on your nose, they subconsciously think there's something on their nose and they'll scratch their nose. You know, that's something that you allude to in your book as well, kind of that social body language. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's your you said that uh, we own our, our social body language and personal brand, that it's never been more critical. Yeah. Can you define, you know, kind of, un, you know, uncover more of what you're just saying about what is that social body language? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it just think about it in terms of real life, right? We have 93% of everything that we do is reading other people's body language, um, in terms of how we get context around how they're really feeling or what they're really saying. Um, and the other 7% is left up to audio and voice. Um, that's a pretty interesting thing just to begin with. But when you strip that away and you look at social media or just digital in general, um, it, you lose the 93%, right? Because um, everything you get is from somebody online. So, so now you've got 7%. And, and by the way, there's no audio. Um, unless, of course, you're listening to YouTube or a podcast or whatever. Um, uh, but um, let, let's just say for the sake of the example that everything that you see on digital or hear on digital is all made up of um, what you would normally get in that 93% offline. That's how you build your body language. So um, while, while we are in person and we can get more from each other in a few seconds from seeing each other's body language, we can't do that online. It's, it's impossible to get that immediately. So what we're, what we're doing over time is we're building our sense of who somebody else is. And we're doing it subconsciously. I don't think anybody, um, unless there's people that stalk other people, like when they're about to do podcasts and think about- uh, Suddenly become know, a creeper. Yeah, they want to be observers, as my audience like prefers me to say. Um, but um, you know that that's a really hard thing to do when you're online and you're trying to put across your social body language. There are elements that make up what that is, and uh, and those elements are the senses. Um, mm. You know, it's 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 everyone learns it in different ways. Some people learn through um, hearing. Some people, excuse me, learn through. Um, you know, um, seeing and some through touch. Um, and so how we use these things as marketers to fill the story, to build the story from beginning to end so that somebody knows who you are. Um, and by the time they meet you in a real world situation, they're probably going to have an easier time talking to you. You can skip through all that bullet and you can just get into the actual meat of it and say, so, um, yeah, how's your son doing? Or right. how's, how's, uh, how is it in, um, you know, wherever you live. 
And um, because they know those things, not that they're creepy, but because your social body language helped them to understand who you are. That's so true. I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee here just a few months ago. Yay, Music City. And I ran into somebody that I've been following online for a few years, and I was able just to approach them. Now, I, I don't know what it's like to be on the other end, you know, of someone who's already, you know, been, a, quote unquote, observing you. Um, but it was, it was a really easy, you know, introduction, because I feel like I know that person on, on some level. Um, I wanted to ask an, another question regarding um, another kind of angle that you took in your book, uh, Shareology. You said when you were younger, you hated every single job that you had in high school and college because they were always trying to get you to do something you thought was either being done the wrong way or wasn't a process that enhanced the company. That sounds like a lot of being stuck in business in corporate America that you can get that feeling. Can you give some maybe advice on how someone can address that or maybe even tell some of the stories of, of what it was like in some of those uh, situations? Yeah, totally. It's something that helped to shape my, my life because I, I always question you know, every job that I've ever been in. I've always questioned why we're doing it that way because it's not um, as efficient or um, it's not creative enough or is it going to really garner results? And um, and that's just kind of who I am. I don't practice it. It just comes out, unfortunately. It's, sometimes it shouldn't. Um, and so um, when I was in, you know, uh, high school, I worked at a sandwich shop called Togo's, Togo's here in um, the Bay Area. It's, it's a, a, a food chain. And they asked me to make a sandwich in less than 30 seconds. And, I, and, and in order to become a frontline food um, sandwich maker and um, they gave me two weeks to train first and then do that and I looked at them and said do you really want to serve sandwiches in 30 seconds or less to people is that kind of what you're saying because you know it, when you looked at like all five of us that were lined up to make the sandwiches the trainees and you looked at our sandwiches that were 30 seconds or less it was like really you, you really want you want to serve that right um, and um, and so I, I, I said I, I don't I think you guys should extend it to maybe you know, a minute and a half and serve quality. And, and they said, well, if you can't do the 30 seconds, you know, this isn't gonna work out. So, so it didn't work out. So, um, you know, and that's kind of how each job leading up to the one that I think you're talking about, which was, um, my job in, in college, which was Domino's. And, um, and so I was a pizza delivery driver and, um, and I, and I really, um, enjoyed the pizza delivery um, job because it felt like I was kind of entrepreneurial a little bit like you're out on your own driving pizzas around right so that's fun the thing I didn't like about it the most though was that the tips were horrible and I was in a college town in Flagstaff so everybody was a student and students don't have money so I had to try and figure out how I was going to either turn this job into making money or find another job because the minimum wage at that time was like four dollars or something I wasn't going to cut it I um went to the grocery store. I, I actually, I listened to most of what people were saying and they were all saying that they were thirsty. And I thought, man, what can I do about this? So I was at the grocery store, saw a whole pallet of two liters, Coke and Diet Coke for 50 cents for two two liters. So a quarter a piece. And I bought the entire pallet. I put it into the back of my old shoot blue Chevy blazer. And I drove around a pizza that was medium or larger and I delivered a free uh, two liter. And the, I would always get these uh, kids that were taking the, the pizzas and the two liters and say, oh, we didn't order that. And, except they were, you know, we're in college, so they're stoned. So they're saying, oh, man, I didn't order that. And, um, and, and I'm like, no, that's okay. That's on me. 
And I swear to God, like every single, almost every single time they would find money, they would reach into their pocket and have $5 and $10 mm. and, um, and give it to me. I was started making like between anywhere on a, a, a good night at the highest of $400 and a bad night, $200, where before I was making $4 an hour. So um, in a month and a half now, my longest job ever, um, I went. I got called back into the office and they said, you have to stop doing that because we're getting calls that the other drivers are not delivering two liters. And I said, you should do this as a promotion. This would help everybody. And, uh, and they didn't. And so then I ended up having to leave. And so that is um, my story. But uh, the reason that I think um, you're asking about it is because what I was trying to deliver was something that was unexpected um, and needed. It was a value. And um, and I try to do that in every job and everything that I do, and especially on social media. Like you'll see a, actually a video I just posted. By the time this airs, you'll probably see it up online, but it's a video of Shareology, but it's me walking around the office doing some really crazy stuff. Uh, for Shareology and it's random and wacky and it's valuable because people can earn points and have fun. I like that stuff. I like delivering unexpected value. I think that if more brands did that, they would have much more success. It's like they don't take themselves too seriously. They try to have more fun. Maybe people would be endeared like you tossing a shark's head off of your hat because I actually saw that video right before we went live today. In Brian's book, he states that in the corporate world, there's still a little too much emphasis on appearing perfect. Brian, how do you see that spilling out into employees' corporate culture and personal interactions as well? I think that a lot of companies are trying to, and this has been an issue for a couple years, when something is set up on stage or somebody says something and they get quoted and um, and that quote gets sent out. Um, and this is just an example of what you're talking about. And then, and then that person reaches back and says, I don't like that quote. Well, guess what? You said it. And, um, and so, you know, there's a lot, that's just one example of a lot of things that happen in real time that makes somebody or a company imperfect. And we have to embrace our imperfections. We have to embrace the, um, the things that make us unique, that make us human. And that's why it's, I, don't, I call it human, not people, because humans have this intrinsic, intrinsic value of being imperfect. And the ones that are the most imperfect and embrace it, and I mean brands too, are the ones we love the most. And I, I dare you to think of a brand that isn't imperfect and embraced it, that you don't love them for that because they actually came out and they just full heartedly said, I, we own this, this is who we are, we're imperfect. And they even made it, made, maybe made it funny. So um, I think that it's absolutely one of the biggest challenges for every brand to let go. And, um, and people too. Um, you know, I come across people all the time. I don't know how many, how you get so many likes on your posts, or I don't know how you get so many followers on Twitter. I'm like, I say what's in my head right then. I don't filter it, except maybe I don't talk about religion or politics. But I, other than that, I talk about what's in my head right now. And if somebody doesn't like it, then that's who I am. And that's what I'm going to say. And, and, um, now brands don't have that luxury, but yet again, um, they can be planned and unplanned at the same time. They can say, hey, we're going to do something, but let's be a little unplanned around how we do it. And that part is exciting. 
So you're listening to this podcast right now. You're in some sort of management or leadership, and you're uh, listening to this whole element of being human, i.e. authentic or genuine or embracing your failure in your corporate world. That's risky. That feels dangerous. That feels unsafe. How, Brian, would you recommend our listener right now to kind of acquire some of these quote unquote human traits in how they lead? There's a lot of different ways that you can help other people. And I think that's really what it comes down to is helping others. And one of the biggest chapters in my book is about listening. I'm guilty of this, by the way. So I'm not putting myself in the place of, 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 ultimate leaders that listens because I need to do more of it. But um, that said, I think listening across the board uh, and and actually taking it a step further, um, what Ted Rubin calls looking people in the eye digitally or, um, or even just the term active listening goes beyond just listening. And what, what active listening is, is when you actually see beyond what they're saying and you actually respond to who they are in the context of what they're saying. So, um, you know, it's looking at, you know, hey, where they live and understanding their context and then responding to that versus just being an automated robot in response, hearing what they said, but not really internalizing it, and then just responding and saying, yeah, sure, that sounds good. Um, you know, responding back and saying, hey, I saw in your bio you love parasailing. Um, is, is that scary? Is it fun? What do you love about it? I mean, that kind of that kind of stuff, man, it goes miles. And when you can fit that in, it goes great on social. When you can fit that in, Actually, when think about this, I was just thinking about this in the car the other day. When, wh- how often do we actually just pick up the phone just to say hi? Nothing, we don't want anything from that person. We're not gonna ask them for anything. We wanna just pick up the phone and say hi. I think that's going by the wayside. I don't think we have time. I, I think it's harder, it's getting harder. We're seeing these shortcut text messages and and, and, and tweets and, and all kinds of things in our life um, debilitating to just picking up the phone and saying hi. And, and so I'm gonna start like doing that. I'm gonna start like every week, I'm gonna pick up the phone at least once or twice and just call someone. And I'll bet they're gonna be really, really shocked mm-hmm. and go, so why'd you call? Just to say hi, how are you doing? I mean, right? Can you imagine right. if a company did that? Can you imagine Nordstrom just called and said, we just want to say, hi, how are you doing? Is everything going well? We, we just want to make sure you're doing all right. I mean, oh my God. The, the, the second thing to that, so now you've said hi. The second thing to that is that companies, um, I think also uh, are reactive um, and leaders are reactive. And, um, and so when you deal with all these different reactive modes, you're always in a reactive place. Now, what I think companies should be doing or people should be doing is creating thank you departments. Hmm. Um, So it's an entire department of people that all their job is to do is to thank people. And you just reach out on Twitter and on Facebook or on a phone and you say, thank you. Well, why else are you calling? Just to say thanks. I just want to say thanks for your business and that's it. We really appreciate you and um, we saw you bought this thing. How's it going? Um, Want to make sure you're happy. That's it. Man, I would be loyal to that brand forever. But that's not how it is. How it is is it breaks. I call them. They discount it. I don't want to go back. 
because a discount doesn't change how I feel. So when you meet the demand or meet the need before the problem happens and you're thanking everyone for just doing what, you know, it's going above and beyond just the purchase, bam. And that's all I have to say about that. In business as a whole, you are entrepreneurial. You're doing your your books and then you have to launch the books and then you're traveling and you're, you know, some would say the hustle of it all. You've got four companies you're managing. You've got a marriage you're trying to keep together. You've got two kids you're trying to keep sane. Some people say that business always costs you something personally. Would you be comfortable you know, sharing areas where your hustle or your success may have uh, negatively impacted some of the areas of your life. Where has humanity shown itself for you? Yeah, you're good. That's a good one. Um, all right. So that's, it's always hard. Um, you're always giving something up. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you're, when you're traveling, you're missing your kids stuff and, um, you know, so you're, you're swapping one thing out for another. I, I believe in quality of time versus quantity. And when I'm with my family, um, I, I love to, to take my son to the skate park every weekend. And we just, that's just what we do. And so for two to five hours, depending upon how long he wants to stay, um, I'm go, I'm GoProing his skate, skate park experience. And he's coming over and saying, dad, did you see that? And we're that's, I'm focused, man. I'm so focused in on him. And, uh, and then I, on, you know, the next day take off for a trip and I'm gone for four or five days and back the next weekend. I usually try to be home every weekend if I'm not in, traveling internationally. And, uh, and so I give, I give them as much as I can, my qual quality of time. My daughter's another story. She's a teenager. She doesn't want my quality of time. So I can't, um, force quality of time on, on, you can't force it on kids as you know. Um, and I have a my, 20 year old. I totally uh, know what you're so talking you about. You know, like, you know, you, you, there's only so much you can do. Um, with, uh, with my wife, um, we see each other every day when we're at work together. And if we're not, she's traveling with me half the time. We have support. We have a, a nanny that helps that my kids absolutely adore. And she's a part of the family almost. And then my parents live down the street. So we have such a great support system that, um, we've kind of found our way. And, um, and the kids never suffer for attention, that's for sure, um, or for things in their life that they want. I seem to be, um, you know, help them with whatever they need, or we both do. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's not perfect. I don't think anybody's out there is perfect. Um, I do love the fact that sometimes I can take my kids on trips that I otherwise couldn't um, because of these opportunities. And, um, and that's where we get quality of time. So I'm, I, to answer your question, I think it's all about quality of time that I really try to focus in on. Mm. Um, I, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I remember a story. We sat down for breakfast at South by Southwest, and I remember talking to you and Courtney, and you guys had just come back or were just going to um, FaceTime with your kids. And you had shared with me how you try and make that a priority to take yeah. some time to see face to face that even if you couldn't be physically present, um, you could be there using technology to impact and stay involved right. and connected. So, uh, we, we had FaceTime up all night and, uh, and, and it was all night, every night. My, mm -hmm. my son was having a hard time for some reason on this trip more than any other. Um, most trips he's, he's actually fine, but this one he had a hard time. So, um, we brought FaceTime up. We plugged the iPad into the wall and FaceTime up was up all night, just mm -hmm. sitting there. He fell asleep 
with us on FaceTime. He has an, his own little mini iPad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we woke up in the morning. I'll, I'll never forget uh, Courtney. Just All she said is, Henry, are you there? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's so weird. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, just that we're like all in the same room together just and, brilliant. and we're connected. But, but he could not go to sleep unless for on this one particular trip. And, and we, and so we did that and tried it and, and it, it lasted all night. It was up. Yeah. So if you were to go back to, um, your 18 year old self and I want you to, you know, maybe not even for yourself, but I'm just trying to put you in that place. Someone's listening right now and they're either in the midst of the stuff, define the stuff, however you want. They're in crisis. They're in challenge. Uh, in business and trying to go through that grind of business. You've been there. You're in some ways there right now. You're sitting down with your 18-year-old self. What do you tell that young person to prepare him or her for life? Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is that, um, that relationships matter. Um, every single relationship you build is a relationship building towards the next one. And you never know when that relationship looking back is going to matter years later as well. Um, and I'm not talking about just burning bridges because along the way people disconnect and you know, things happen, but do your best to maintain the best relationships with every single person you come across because you never know when that one person is going to be the person that hires you with um, whether it's an outstanding salary, a job you could never refuse, or an opportunity to maybe introduce you to the love of your life. Um, you don't know when, when and what someone's going to do to help you. And, um, and so every, every person matters. You put at the front of your book, Shareology, a dedication to your children. Never stop creating and smiling. Life is good. I think relationships in that context is empowering. And for that, I think you're a good daddy. Ah, uh, thanks, man. You bet. Brian, I want to thank you for your time. If people want to get in touch with you, they want to get in touch with the book, how would they go about doing that? Super easy. Um, if you go to shareologybook.com, uh, you can get the book there. Or if you just go to Amazon and type it in, it's it's there. Uh, or please feel free to tweet me or uh, reach out on social. It's at Brian Kramer everywhere. Um, so it's it's really easy to find me on social and, and uh, share all book. You can just do a Google search for it as well. None of that works. You should be able to find it. Well, thank you, Brian Kramer. We appreciate you. Have an <laughs> awesome day, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. Such a great conversation with such a great guy. You know, in our world, we are all so deathly afraid of failing or looking foolish or even feeling exposed. And like Brian shared in our interview, when brands or celebrities embrace their imperfection, these are the ones we love. And we're, for whatever reason, completely fine when we see humility on display in those arenas. Um, And on the flip side of that, when we see people who deny or pretend to be perfect, well, we see right through that, right? And we typically write those people off, we disrespect them, we even ignore them. Brands and celebrities um, are allowed to be imperfect um, when they embrace it. 
So why is it then we see ourselves in a different context? We don't give ourselves the freedom to make mistakes. We don't allow failure to become part of our story. And we don't give ourselves grace or mercy in most cases. And often we don't find ourselves or give ourselves permission to be imperfect. Truth is, we're harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. And in that seems that that very person that needs your unconditional love most gets very little. And I've been there, and, and I'm trying to get much better. Now, one of my favorite people I've been reading and listening to is a researcher named Brene Brown. And she states this. She says, imperfections are not inadequacies. They are reminders that we're all in this together. And that's the community I'm building here. One of togetherness, or like Brian said, connectedness. Today, I want to invite you into this community. It's free. It's private. It's on Facebook. And if you want to become part of a community that's open and transparent and committed to growing in our leadership, just go on Facebook and simply search for up in your business. It's a private group and you can request to be added. And if you're already a part of this group and you know of someone who should be in it, uh, please invite them to be a part because we want to grow this uh, group in this community to find people who are committed to one another. And lastly, as a little side note, we spoke about our teenage kids on today's show and as a parent of a 20 year old daughter let me share with you parents that when your kids seemingly want nothing to do with you that's the very time you need to lean into that relationship with them and it's kind of like a little bit of parenting jujitsu when they seem distant that's the most important time for you to be close when they shrug away um, hug them anyway And when they go to be by themselves, simply pick up your phone and send them a little text and and say, I love you, I believe in you, and I'm so proud of you. And while you're at it, um, one more nugget, uh, like Brian said, try and make some time today to just call somebody and say hi. Or just call someone and say thank you. And then send us a little note and tell us how it went. I'd love to hear about how you exercised on that. Other than that, embrace your imperfections today. Love others, and most importantly, love yourself. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co not calm. Um, now I, I also have, um, a full-time day day job (laughs) and I have a dog. So, uh, now I'm going to move myself into another room live on your podcast while my dog barks. This is fun. You see, this is why you need to start podcasts um, because I make things interesting. I can hear you now. <laughs> <laughs> this one's gonna go down in like the worst experience of any novice podcaster ever. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. And we got to do it together. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>